Stunt Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Matthew coming back to you once again with another Scent Spotlight. This week, my guest is the Nigerian-based digital artist who also happens to be Africa's foremost crypto artist, Oshinachi. Oshinachi and I, we had a fantastic conversation. For those of you who don't know him, Oshinachi is an incredible digital artist who relies and uses Microsoft Word as his main artistic tool. It's an incredible story. He started out first as a writer who wants to tell stories, but as he was using Microsoft Word to write these stories and type them out, he realized how boring that process was, which caused him to figure out and use the drawing tools that Microsoft Word has available to them. From that point on, Oshinachi took off creating some of the most visually striking works that I've come across personally, and the stories that most people outside of Nigeria or Africa would have absolutely no idea even exist. We had a fantastic chat. Uh, the story goes into many places, obviously touching on what it's like to be a crypto artist today, uh, f- the future of Nigeria, the future ambitions of Oshinachi. So please take a listen. I really hope you enjoy this as much as I did recording it. And without further ado, please enjoy my talk with Oshinachi. Okay, and we're live. Uh, This is Matthew, and I'm coming back with another Scent Spotlight on the Scent Podcast, where I'm speaking with and shining a light on the amazing creators who are doing fantastic things on and around the Scent platform. Uh, Today, my guest is someone very, very special. As a collector and fan, I'm really excited to be speaking with Oshinachi. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Oshinachi is Africa's foremost crypto artist, and an all-around respected and highly lauded digital artist. So welcome to the show, Oshinachi. Thank you so much, Matthew. It's good to be here. Cool. And well, for the folks listening in, I think it would be awesome if you could introduce yourself and tell everyone a little bit about who you are, uh, where you're from, and what you're doing. Right, um, my name is Oshinachi. Um, that is my Igbo name. I'm from a tribe called Igbo in Southeast Nigeria. I currently live in Enugu State, uh, but of course I, with the arts thing, I have to move from state to state. So most times it's Lagos State, it's Enugu State, and back and forth. Um, I'm a digital artist. I've been creating works for a while now, and um, part of the amazing movement that is crypto art is a really exciting time to be an artist and to be part of this movement. Yeah, 100%. It's one of the most exciting times I've ever seen creatively kind of emerge in my lifetime. I just write and record podcasts. So I can't imagine how amazing it is to, to actually be a creator during this time. But sort of on that point, I'm curious if you could take us through your creative journey, uh, maybe from when you were younger, when you discovered that you have this talent uh, until today. I think that would be really, really interesting for everyone. Okay, yes. Um, I started out as um, as a writer. Uh, first of all, I used to read a lot. I used to buy a lot of books as a young boy to read. 
And then it turned out that um, I started doing some writing on my own. Uh, although they weren't really that good, yeah, but um, they meant a lot to me then because I wanted to tell stories the way I read these other stories that um, were written by these amazing authors. And then I started writing on pieces of paper. And then before you know it, um, my, my dad uh, introduced me to the internet. Then it was very new here in Nigeria. And we had to go to a cyber cafe to get an email. He opened an email for me, my first ever email. And of course, showed me a few things how to navigate the internet. And I took the interest up from there, you know. Um, I started going to the cyber cafe myself. Around when was that? That was around, um, I, I was in junior secondary school three. That should be around 2003, 2004. Yes, uh, so it, it was it was really um, eye-opening what I could do on the internet, you know, to reach out. I, I was a very big consumer of pop culture from the United States. So I wanted to uh, explore these things and see these other people uh, that I've been seeing on TVs and watching in, in, in films and all that. So exploring the internet, I found that I could send out manuscripts of my work that I'd written maybe to magazines to accept and publish. And in the process of doing that, I had to type these manuscripts on Microsoft Word. And then typing on Microsoft Word, of course, it gets boring because I had a book of things to type manuscripts. In doing that, I, I found out that there were other things I could do on Microsoft Word. You know, when I was done with typing a manuscript and I didn't have any other um, thing to do, I would play around on Word and exploring the drawing tools. I found that I could draw figures, I could add color to them, and so on and so forth. It's, it's really opened my eyes. So I didn't take it seriously until I got into the university, kept exploring and exploring Microsoft Word. And then in my final year as an undergraduate, 2014, I was done with my undergraduate research project and I basically had nothing to do. So I tried to fill my time with something. That was when I explored drawing on Microsoft Word, creating artworks on Microsoft Word fully and seeing the amazing things I could do. I just decided to take it up and here we are now. Yeah, I mean, anytime that I, I tell people about who you are and what you do. It's just people's minds are blown when I let them know that you're creating the works that you're creating on Microsoft Word. It's just something that is is so fascinating. And with with the depth and and I guess just power that your works convey, it's it's simply amazing. I think that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. That's a feedback. <laughs> and well, I know you don't want to give away your process, so this is not what this question is asking. But I know since you do use Microsoft Word, I'm just curious if you could walk our listeners through your typical creative process. Like when you conceive of an idea, 
up until the actual like uh, release on like super rare or when you're selling some of your prints, if you could walk us through like how you actually create without giving away too many details in the, the specific process, I think that would be kind of cool. So um, when it comes to creating now, first of all, you have this vision as an artist that you want to achieve. And um, uh, from, from the vision, I kind of, kind of hold this vision in my head for some time. Sometimes it takes a long time for it to mature. It's all part of the process. And then um, when, I'm, when I think I'm ready to start working on it, um, I get people to post for me. Uh, recently, it's been friends and acquaintances. Uh, what I do is to get them, set them in the post that I want, um, just set them up as I want. Uh, sometimes I get to dress them up myself and take a photo of them. Could take multiple photos and decide which to use later. Uh, then from that, I head on to Microsoft Word. And what I do is basically what traditional uh, people who do drawing do to look at the photo and then try to recreate it. But in recreating on Microsoft Word, um, I'm trying to exceed, you know, what I have on the photo, to go beyond what I have on the photo. So you're not going to see exactly what is on the photo. You're going to see something that is very much better, something that is more expressive, you know. Uh, that is what I try to achieve so i could change the background i could um i could change what the subject is wearing i could add a few more things there it's all part of the process to achieve what exactly the vision i have in my mind and once i'm done with that on microsoft word i go on to i go on to move the work to um PDF, I convert to PDF. Uh, by converting to PDF, I give myself the, the ability to actually also convert to JPEG or PNG. Now, when I have the work as an image, I can go ahead to animate if I need to animate. But for the prints that I have, of course, the process ends when you've created the image. For the crypto artworks, I have to animate, and I do that on After Effects or Photoshop. So that is how it goes. And if you look at your your corpus of work, at least on Super Rare, one of the things that really struck me since I came across you is that I like to think that you have two defining styles, or periods at least, uh, of work that you've uploaded. I like to use uh, Chibok, girl or C-H-I-B-O-K girl as as the inflection point. So you have pre-Chibok girl work and then you have post-Chibok girl. I was lucky enough to collect Return from the Sun, which is part of the, your, your pre-Chibok girl phase, which I feel is a really important work of your earlier, I guess around 2015 is when you had originally created that. The, the very restrained use of color However, like the very impactful and powerful nature of the colors that you chose, I feel are very indicative 
of a lot of the amazing work that you, you created post Chibokuro, which the color is like a central part. But I'm just curious if you could kind of walk us through and describe some of the earlier work that you uploaded and and how how you evolved from there to your current style, which uh, I think a very defining feature outside of the color is the the eyeless kind of like it could be anyone's sort of uh, looking figures that you, you have created. Yes. Um, when I started out, um, I experimented with a lot of styles because uh, I was trying to find my unique voice. Every artist goes through that to find um, their unique voice. So before you had the works that followed Chibok Girl, like you explained in that style, um, I had works that were mostly uh, mostly incorporated um, geometric shapes and I had these bright colors, you know, and I moved from those kinds of, uh, that kind of style to a style that is a bit like what I have now. If you, if you check a work I have on uh, rare art, you get to see that, um, that, that there's a particular work called, uh, uh, the title is The Say I'm a Ho. Yeah, it, it comes as a series. The work is a figure of a human being, you know, a sort of portrait, but it's, it's not exactly like what I have now as my current style. So moving from the geometric shapes and uh, colors to the uh, the Seamiho series, I was trying to actually find my voice. And being in that, at that point, where I was making works like the Seamiho, um, that, that was when I was try, uh, starting to discover this current style of figurative portraiture to properly carry the story that I want to tell. So you, you can say that I've had uh, three phases now, where you have the geometric uh, shapes and the cost to the the Seamiho series, and then down to what I have now, which is the Chibok Girl and uh, the other works I have now. And it feels like I have arrived, although for artists, we never arrive, you know, uh, when it comes to creativity. It feels like I have arrived because... Um, here is a style that I have taken to achieve everything, to tell the stories that I needed to tell, to pay attention to my being a black man, to my being a black person, to my being a Nigerian, to my being an African. Uh, I have this style and it's been able to give me the voice I need to express and carry my personal experiences and to share with the world as it is. Mm. And, and digging down into those stories, um, like looking through the work that you are sharing and also taking into account the fact that you started out as a writer and I mean, reading through some of your, your previous works uh, as a fellow writer, like <laughs> I, I was kind of, I've been blown away by the depth of feeling and the, the the raw emotion and how you're able to transport the reader 
to where you're writing from, um, which is, at least for me, coming from like Seoul, South Korea, it's so different. But you're able to transport the reader there. Um, but in, in terms of the themes of some of your visual work, defiance, freedom, the raw African body, a very, very dope local style, uh, and technology are some of the themes that I've picked up on. What are some of the stories that you want to tell? Right. Um, I believe I'm already telling these stories through my work. Uh, here in Africa, um, as it is in most, most parts of the world, uh, there's a way a man is expected to be because you're a man. You know, some people speak and they say, be a man about it. Uh, but I'm trying to walk around that idea and inform people through my work that it is not about being a man, but it is about being human, you know? So it's not about your gender. It's not about, um, about being a man. It's about being human, being kind to yourself and to people also being expressive. A man can cry, a man can do this, a man can do that. Don't say that because you're a man, you can't do this, you can't do that. I'm also exploring androgyny. It's one way through which I want to send this message across, where you have men who are dressed. For example, one of my work, Ndoka's wedding day, a man in a wedding dress holding a flower, you know, uh, th these are ways I try to go against um, toxic masculinity, if you put it that way. So I'm I, I'm exploring that. I'm also exploring the idea of living in Nigeria, you know, and you are queer as a queer person. You are living in a country where um, you are thought to be, you are supposed to be a criminal because of uh, who you love. And the, the law states that, hey, because you're queer, you are going to spend 14 years in prison. And you have citizens like you who are actually taking advantage of that to put the lives of queer Nigerians in danger, to also extort uh, queer Nigerians, because of course, nobody wants to spend 14 years in jail. Uh, these are things I explore through my work. I grew up in a family where, of course, you are uh, expected to be a man about everything. And even before I knew what, it, what toxic masculinity meant, even before I knew what it meant to be a feminist, I was already in my mind thinking about these things. What about being human? and not actually uh, portraying yourself as a man. Uh, these are things I plan, um, I, I explore in my work. And of course, you have the influence of technology also. Of course, uh, in Africa here, we are exploring and uh, we have a lot of uh, tech startups coming up, especially in Lagos. Uh, young people are doing amazing things in tech. Uh, these are also things I explore through my work. Basically, it's about telling my personal stories. I have an experience, and I want you to know the experience, to see the experience that I have or I have had. And then my work shows that experience and teaches you also 
what I think you should know as a viewer. Mm. And it's amazing to have that lens into the experience that you have, that others have in Nigeria uh, through the work that you're showing. I'm curious because it seems like, and everything that I've heard coming out of Nigeria, it's it's developing so quickly. Technology is like everyone almost has access to it. And if you're an example of what people are doing with the technology available, it's it's amazing. And there's a diversity of experience that exists in Nigeria that I think most people probably wouldn't uh, necessarily think of initially. I'm curious from your vantage point in Nigeria now, like where do you see the future of Nigeria going? Where do you see the, the story of the future of Nigeria going? Do you see it opening up into this, this deep, open, accepting perspective that obviously you have? Or do you see conflict arising between the, the traditional, the conservative uh, elements of your country and the group of people that I'm, I know you're obviously a part of that are obviously post a lot of these old traditional, staid, very restrictive ways of living and thinking? Yeah, um, like I said before, young people are doing amazing things. But then um, here in Nigeria, we have a problem where the, the old generation, they don't want to leave certain positions for young people. Uh, for example, our present governments are full of old people. And with old people, of course, you see that old ideas come in and fresh ideas are not given a chance. Young people are not given the chance they need. Uh, to actually make an impact in the country. Uh, we have policies coming out that are outrageous, and you see uh, young people on social media shouting and protesting, you know, these policies. Um, but then it doesn't end with protesting and shouting. A lot of young people here in the country have actually gone out against all odds. Here in Nigeria, it is difficult difficult, very difficult to see a place or a state, for example, where you can get up to, uh, let me say, 10 hours steady uh, electricity supply, you know. And against this odds, uh, young people are doing things. There's no, there's hardly electricity, but then they go out to explore tech and make an impact in tech. Um, there's hardly support from the government, you know, but they go on to raise funds, raise capital, and do things. And there are laws like the anti-LGBT law, which states that um, as a queer person, you to spend 40 years in jail. But then on social media, you see young people who are coming out as gay. You see young people who are coming out of the closet and they're saying, hey, I'm queer and I'm here and the law can go to hell and I'm expressing myself. Although uh, they might not actually come out to do it physically, but with technology, with social media, they are making their voice heard and they are making an impact. Sometimes you see these um, uh, conversations or debates come up in the Nigerian Twitter space. Uh, it's exciting to see and you see some people who were conservative or had reservations about some of these things, um, changing their minds and taking a stand, a, pro a progressive stand, you know. So um, I see Nigeria 
moving to a point where um, young people will actually take a center stage, probably not politically, but socially and economically, because by what they are doing, they're actually driving the economy of the country. But then those in the in political positions are not making it easy. Um, for most politicians, everything uh, is a chance to engage in corrupt practices and steal from the people. But it's, 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 it's not just... Um, it's not just these negative stories. With these negative stories also, you have young people who are doing great things and um, actually making an impact in the country. Some get to leave the country because, of course, at some point you get frustrated um, if the law is after you for uh, your sexuality, because of your sexuality, and you see that you're in danger, you have no choice but to leave the country. I know a lot of people who have left. And when these people leave, they are taking their potentials along with them. They go out there, they are celebrated for what they do. Uh, it's really taking a toll on Nigeria. But I believe in my country. And um, personally, I do, not have, um, I do not have it in mind to actually abandon my country. But then uh, young people like myself, we are making an impact and we're doing things. Hopefully, the ones in government we get to see and support. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, it's very interesting the impacts that technology can have to spread this social change, to enable this the economic growth prior to anything happening on the political stage. It would be very interesting to see if through this technology, some change could happen down the line where attitudes could weaken, uh, at least these more conservative, more restrictive attitudes could weaken uh, to such a point that like folks can actually have a peaceful revolution, if you will, kind of taking over from the old guard uh, and, and letting the new generation uh, take the reins through the advances that they make over technology, socially and economically. I, I, I hope that that is the case. It seems like that is the story, uh, or the future story uh, that your work is kind of presupposing and, and giving a glimpse behind. It's, it's fascinating. But turning the subject of our conversation a little bit, obviously we're in a very, very future, future-oriented space, not just for Nigeria, but for like every country in the whole entire world. Crypto art is something that is bleeding edge. I firmly believe it's a revolution in art. Um, it's it's not just a movement, a new movement. It's it's a revolution. You are in a very interesting place because you, you, you straddle multiple different rare digital art platforms. Uh, it seems that you use them uh, in different ways, uh, which is interesting. I'm just wondering if you could talk to us about how you use platforms like Rare Digital Art, Rareable, Super Rare, uh, any of the other platforms that you're on, uh, and your philosophy behind how you use these platforms and how you distribute your work. Right. Uh, so, um, I, of course, I have my work on Rare Art. I have my work on Portion. I have my work on Super Rare. I have my work on Makerspace. I have my work on uh, Rareable. 
um, I started out first in crypto arts by joining um, Rare Art, you know, uh, 2018. Uh, they gave me the opportunity to actually um, uh, exhibit my work at the Ethereal Conference then in New York, 2018. And um, from then, from there, I joined Portion. And at this point, I was still exploring the first phase in my practice, which is the use of geometric shapes and colors. So the works naturally that I would put on these platforms were of that style, you know. But then come, by the time I got on Super Rare, uh, I, was, I, I started exploring the new style that I'm using. And of course, at the start of my portfolio on Super Rare, you get to see that I have early works there. They start with the early works before you get into Chibok Girl, you know. And that, that, that was the shift for me by deciding that, hey, it's not just about my early works. Let's uh, put up my uh, current works, works that are actually telling the stories as I want them to, to be told fully. And that was when I decided to start putting up these current works, especially on Super Rare, you know, because, you know, um, on Rareable, I also have some early works and I also have uh, current works. So on Rareable, I straddle both early works and, and, um, and current works. Uh, but then on Super Rare, I'm focusing now on my current works, same on Maker's Place, you know, current works, current works. Well, you can find my early works there, and they're actually cheaper to collect. I, I'm, I'm very much grateful for the chance to, uh, to have discovered my early style because they actually led to what I am doing now. So those works are special to me also, the early ones. So... Just expect um, early work, um, current works, I mean, from now on, on these platforms. But occasionally, I'll still put out some early works, uh, like a throwback to how things used to be uh, when it comes to my style. And like heading forward, I know you have your new style that you found, and it's amazing. Where do you see yourself going in the next couple of years? Do you have certain ambitions in terms of selling a work at a certain price? Do you have ambitions in terms of having your work displayed in certain places? Um, do you want to like travel the world and create? Yeah. Like where do you, where do you see your future ambitions lying with your work? Uh, that, that is every artist's dream uh, to actually sell work uh, for a price that of course rewards your creativity, you know, uh, I see myself doing bigger things. Uh, of course, um, presently you will hardly get any work from me that goes, any current work from me that goes below uh, 3.5 ETH. Uh, that, that, that is what I've said for my work presently. Uh, that might change in the future. But then I'm taking my practice one step at a time. Of course, I, I have an exhibition in Switzerland where physical artworks uh, are also on display and on sale. 
the private uh, preview took place a few days ago, and it was exciting. Although we have this issue with um, the coronavirus, of course, everybody's feeling the impact, uh, which is also one of the beauties of uh, crypto arts. You know, you don't have to meet physically to actually do these things. So, uh, but most importantly, most importantly, as Africa's foremost crypto artist, I want to create a path for other African artists to actually come in and explore crypto art and see what they can do in crypto art and take part in the movement. Um, Africa has been left out, uh, left out of a lot of things, and I wouldn't want that to be the case when it comes to crypto art. So I've had a few artist friends ask me, hey, how do I join? How do I do this? How do I do that? So I've been talking to a lot of people about joining, trying to tell them what crypto art is about. And of course, some are interested, some are not so interested. But um, generally, I believe that with time, they will come to understand that um, this, of course, is the future. And I want that to be I want to be a part of that understanding. I want them to look at Osinachi and get to understand that, hey, he did this in crypto art and we can do it as African artists. So that is the influence I want to, I want to uh, make when it comes to crypto art and Africa as a whole. That's fantastic. And look, getting towards the, the end of this, this podcast, one of the questions that I, I always ask is, like what sort of artist are you collecting? But for this, I mean, I want to ask that, but before I ask that, sort of what you're talking about, uh, some of these up and coming or uh, just established Nigerian artists who may be coming into crypto art, um, I think it would be cool if you could shout some of them out, like folks that people should be paying attention or looking out for in terms of maybe coming into crypto art, maybe sharing some work uh, in this space. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, um, there are artists like Dennis Osadebe who is doing so well, you know, as a digital artist. He's from Nigeria here. Dennis Osadebe, his, his work is just amazing. Uh, I believe that crypto art would be such a wonderful space for him to explore also. And of course, you have uh, Joseph Obanubi. Uh, his work is really good. Uh, I believe crypto arts, he has a lot of potentials when it comes to crypto art. And then there is um, there are photographers like um, uh, just uh, like um, uh, Obayomi, Obayomi is a photographer. Anthony Obayomi, I believe um, he, he, he he's he's really he has a lot of potentials. And then there's T.J. Benson, he's a writer and a photographer. And these are of course people who have been paying attention to crypto art. Uh, you know, when I put out a work, they get to see how well it does and are interested in exploring uh, what I do. Uh, there are other artists out there, and I believe um, with time they're going to find their footing in crypto art and, of course, join the movement. That's great. And then, well, it, it, I'm not sure if you, you collect other artist work but if you do it'd be really interesting to kind of like peek into your your digital wallet and have you let us know like what some of your your prized crypto art possessions are yeah i have this um work 
by uh, Roses, uh, on Super Rare, and he gifted me the work. And uh, the, the story behind it is really, is really awesome. It has something to do with his sister who passed on, and I cherish that work. Uh, that's about the only work I have in, uh, collected. And um, I'm, but I'm looking forward to. There are so many exciting works coming out that you attempted to actually uh, collect, you know. And I'm looking forward to collecting works in the future uh, on different platforms. It's not just super rare. Yeah, and and definitely to echo what you you mentioned about Crypto Roses, aka Zach Yanger. What he's been doing over at Super Rare is phenomenal. He's such a, a beating heart of the project and the community over there. He's a fantastic person. Super Rare is such an important platform for crypto art as it is now. They are taking the lead and they're doing a lot of amazing things that uh, other platforms need to look at and copy. Also. Totally. Well, heading towards the end of this, if you're active on social media, I know you're on Scent. Just shout out all the channels that you want people to pay attention to, to look for your work and follow your thought. Okay, um, on social media, uh, you can, of course, find me on Scent, Osinachi. You can also find me on Instagram at double underscore Osinachi. You can find me on Twitter at Prince underscore Jcon. That's J-A-C-O-N. Then um, on the crypto art platforms, of course, I'm on Super Rare. Uh, you can't find any of my early works on Super Rare because they've all been collected. But of course, from time to time, you're going to see current works there. And on Mecca's place, of course, I have two works that are waiting for collectors. Uh, I have Tafa Transcending and, of course, uh, a work about a small family, Umabuyenrite. Uh, is able for a child is a prize. Uh, so um, I also have early works on Maker's Place that uh, a lot of people discovered when I put out these current works, and they've collected uh, a number of them. Then on Rarible, I have a one early work and one current work currently waiting for a collector. Uh, I have early works on Portion. Uh, I have early works also on rare art so these are places you can find my work very cool and Oshinachi it was a pleasure to speak with you your story is so fascinating I feel like your your future is so bright and not just your story but everyone coming out of, of Nigeria uh, Africa I can't wait to see their own individual stories yeah, it's an exciting time to be an artist absolutely Thank you for your time and, and keep on creating. Thank you so much, Matthew. And um, it's a wonderful thing you're doing with this podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. Cheers. Bye-bye. All right, bye. Hey, everybody. It's Matthew again. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Oshinachi as much as I did recording it. Like always, if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts at and recommend it to a friend who you think would dig this sort of conversation. My next spotlight will be with the virtual reality painter and sculptor, Giant Swan. Look for that to drop sometime next week. It's an awesome conversation. And look out for my special interview that'll be dropping with Alex from Rarible later this week. And since it looks like coronavirus is, is here to stay for a little bit, keep staying safe, 
self-isolate yourself when possible. Keep your friends and family at a healthy, healthy distance. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Senton. Podcast. Podcast.